You know, I think the number one thing is, are they smart? In other words, you got to have some smarts. I think you have to be able to have some passion. In other words, you got to believe that you can change the way the industry is going to think about leasing apartments and you want to be a part of that. So, you know, they can send that to their mom and dad or brothers and sisters or friends or post it on social media and say, hey, this is what I helped create. So again, it's, it's, there's a lot of people that are involved in any product or service that make it successful. I just happen to be the guy that, that writes the checks and, and sort of creates the, the vision and the landscape for which they can then build those cool things. That's Mike Mueller, a multifamily apartment industry innovator who has influenced the way apartment owners and their residents engage with the industry. This innovation impacts residents and the multifamily operators who together contribute more than $3.5 billion to the economy every day. With that much at stake, industry insiders look to Mike for that trust factor for solutions for one of the industry's biggest opportunities and pain points, the leasing experience. Going way back, Mike started RentFacts, which evolved to AllApartments.com. AllApartments.com changed its name to Spring Street in the late 90s and then merged with Realtor.com then went public under Homestore.com. Today, it's called Move.com, a subsidiary of News Corp, and trades on the NASDAQ under the symbol Move. Mike has also made investments, which include an early investment in RealPage, which went public in 2010, Leasing Desk, which was acquired by RealPage in 2007, and My New Place, which was acquired by RealPage in 2011. The Apartment Internet Marketing Conference, which was acquired by Joshua Tree Internet Media in 2007. Wing's Online Learning Management System, then acquired by Riverside Grace Hill. If you are an entrepreneur, a leader within multifamily, or an aspiring leader, this is the show for you. You do not want to miss this. You're listening to the Multifamily Leadership Podcast with Patrick Antrim, your source for success strategies for multifamily professionals, CEOs, executive leaders, and aspiring leaders that want to drive high-performance results for their property or portfolio. This is Patrick Antrim, founder and CEO of Multifamily Leadership and producer of the Multifamily Leadership Summit, where we celebrate the best places to work multifamily. Welcome to the Multifamily Leadership Podcast, where I speak with executive leaders, authors, and business leaders on the topics that advance leadership in multifamily. It is our goal to give you insights into what top leaders are doing to drive financial results and great resident experiences for their portfolios. Now, if you want to get access to other resources such as videos, articles, show notes, other episodes of this podcast, and information on working with me or having me keynote your next event, you can visit multifamilyleadership.com. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash multifamily. There are over 180,000 titles to choose from on your iPhone, Android, Kindle, MP3 player, wherever you listen. Get your free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash multifamily. You can also access the link in the show notes at multifamilyleadership.com. Mike, it's great to have you here in our studios, not just for 
me personally, but for our listeners as well. Thank you, Patrick. Yes. And so, Mike, for 20 years and maybe even more, I'm not sure how early you started thinking about these things, but you've been helping multifamily operators not only rent more apartments, but operate more efficiently and use that data to really drive their business forward. Tell me, where do you think the industry is today? I still think we're, believe it or not, in the early innings, because if you look at the leasing process and how our industries adopted technology, we're very slow to adopt technology. And the people that are driving the leasing process are sort of stuck in, this is how I did it, this is how we need to do it going forward. So they're slow to change, and nobody likes change. It's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But yet, if you take a look at every other industry around us, change is all around us. I mean, you can't help but uh, notice how somebody or some industry has improved the business process. Right, and so even our renters and the, the people that are coming into the workspace now are younger, and how are, they're experiencing, uh, you know, the shared economy. They're experiencing apps. They're they're driven off of now, right? I mean, they're experiencing just as consumers what technology is about because the world of Amazon and these types of technologies are in place. So. When it comes to renting, this is equally as important. Uh, you nailed it, Patrick. They're used to having things done the way they want it, and the way they want it is on their mobile device. Uh, it was interesting, a conversation with Apartments.com here last week at the NAA. 90% of their traffic's now mobile. So, I mean, if you don't have a mobile strategy, for example, you've just lost out on an opportunity to connect with your prospect or your resident. So, uh, the same experience they have when they go to uh, book a flight or book a hotel room is really the same experience they're looking for when it comes to renting an apartment. Right. And, you know, oftentimes management companies are struggling to not only catch up, keep up, but, you know, the, the lenders and the, the, the investor owners sometimes are, are sort of experiencing, they are people too, right? I mean, they, they go home and they live their lives and they have their iPhones and they experience it that way. But in my experience, sometimes when we're underwriting these programs, even in like payroll costs and these types of things, they're, they're sort of structured in a certain way based on how the operations are, are put together. What, why do you actually do that? I mean, because it seems like the industry is coming around. Um, a lot of the innovation I see is coming from our industry partners and suppliers. What do you, why do you do all this? I mean, is it, what inspires you to do all this? Well, I think it's really any company or product or service that you're gonna build has to solve a problem. It has to create less friction and ideally it costs less, which is not necessarily the case with technology. So for me, it's fun to be able to take a look at, here's how it was done. How can you implement or utilize technology to make it more efficient, more fun, more streamlined, and at the end of the day, a better experience for the customer. Mm-hmm. That's great. And so tell me a little bit about this ACE. What I'd like to do is play a little clip here about your technology. Do you want to give some background to what you're working on now and what's exciting for you? Sure. Well, you know, the problem that our industry has is that we're still conditioned to think that the way a renter wants to communicate with us is via a phone. And, but yet, you know, we track, you know, I think somewhere a million uh, to a million and a half phone calls a month, depending on time, a year. And we know about 50% of the time they don't answer the phone. So you just lost that customer. They're going to go on to the next one. And so you've got to have a way to be able to capture that prospect or that resident to 
to find out what are they looking for and how can you answer that as quickly and as efficiently as possible. I can remember my first companies, uh, owners were afraid to put rents on their website because they wanted you to call so they could actually sell you on the benefits of living in their community. But bottom line is that there's so much turnover in our industry. The idea of training uh, a leasing agent to be as knowledgeable as an Alexa or a Siri is a huge undertaking. So the idea was about five years ago, what I bought call source, uh, the multifamily division was that I saw the mobile devices and the phone coming back into vogue because you can get a lot of information on a website. So if they're calling a property, they're calling for a very specific reason. And it's very difficult because each website's different depending upon if you go to an ILS, go to an owner's website, a Craigslist, it's going to be a different experience. So they get frustrated. And the things that they're looking for most often is pricing and availability. Uh, can you imagine going to the airport, Patrick? And if you went to a, an airline website and they said, sure, we fly to Dallas, but you're going to have to come to the airport and we'll tell you what time and how much it's going to cost you. Right, right. You'd go to the next airline very quickly. And so, I mean, we all have our favorite airline websites. And I think the th same thing is happening in the apartment industry. The consumer is going to a websites where they want consistency of being able to find that information and experience. And so if you call a property, you've probably got a pretty good idea of what you're looking for. But you don't necessarily want to have to fumble through your, you know, your mobile device to figure out, okay, where's pricing? What's the hours of operation? Do they have a PEP policy? So it's just easy, what I call tap to talk. You see a phone number on the very first page for most mobile websites, and you just touch it, and you say, hey, do you take pets? What's your hours of operation? You know, any numerous type of questions you would answer uh, or ask a leasing agent. So if you think about it, there's only about 10 things that a renter is calling about. And so if you can figure out what those 10 things are, and if you can create a structured, um, what I would call uh, interactive uh, conversation or sure. a voice assistant, they can answer that. You don't need to necessarily put that through. I mean, think about last time you called a bank. You can basically query your bank balance. You can get all kinds right. of information by just using your voice. And voice is getting better with machine learning, as evidenced by Alexa. Siri was not a good experience. Alexa came in, and they changed the way we think about interacting with a device uh, using your voice. I bet that's good for you. I mean, you've been thinking about this years in advance. Sometimes timing is important as much as anything else. Timing's everything. You know, there's that first mover, the first to market. Uh, so the first person in is going to have a lot of learnings that the competition is not going to have. And so that's key to be able to understand you know, how to create an experience. And, and I, you know, quite frankly, we didn't invent it. All we did was we looked at best practices for other industries, whether it's the hotel industry or the airline industry or the banking industry. And that's why when you call a property that's using ACE, which is answers calls every time, it starts with a very basic question. How may I help you? Because you're calling from a website that's a leasing website so we know what the questions are that they're going to ask right now if you're a resident calling in and wanting to pay rent online that's a different experience but that's not the phone number you're going to put on a mobile website if you're leasing an apartment sure sure and they they have that information let's make a call do you mind making sure. a call go ahead hi i am an automated assistant for mueller manor apartments and townhomes that can answer many common questions we're going to be celebrating the birth of our nation on the 4th, 
and won't be showing apartments. How may I help you? Yeah, I'm looking for a two-bedroom. What date would you like to move in? Uh, July 11th. Somewhere in that weekend, at least. Okay. Pricing and availability are subject to change. We do have two bedroom apartments available on July 11th, starting at $1,347. Would you like to come in to see one? Yeah. Great. What date and time would you like to come in? Can I come in tomorrow? And what time will you be here? Uh, let's say 2 p.m. Please hold for one moment. I have the appointment time as 2 p.m. on Thursday, June 29th. Is that correct? Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Thanks. I see you are calling from 480-365-8934. Is this a good number to contact you? Yes, it is. Thank you. Is that a mobile number? Yes, it is. Okay. I have an appointment set for 2 p.m. on June 29th at 17210 North 59th Avenue, Glendale, Arizona, 85308. We look forward to meeting you. Would you like me to send you a text message with this information? Yes, that would be, that would be great. Great. I just sent it. You should get it in a few moments. How else can I help you? Can you tell me a joke? A renter called up a pet store and said, Send me 30,000 roaches at once. Why do you want so many roaches? Asked the clerk. Well, replied the renter, I am moving out, and my lease says I must leave the apartment in the same condition I found it. (laughs) How else can I help you? That's it. Thank you so much. Thanks for your interest in our apartments. You've been a great leasing experience. Have a great day. That is that is remarkable. So it was conversational in the sense that he, she was going and yeah, looking. Well, for and the I context. wasn't really. I'm still in the mindset of I've got to, you know. Uh, and here comes the look at that. The Ace app just showed me the lead that came in, tracked everything. It's got my information. That is very fascinating. But I'm also more not as natural as probably most users right i mean they're they're really truly calling without you know the expectation of demonstrating but they, you, more you, natural if you're calling a phone number you've got a specific purpose and information that you're looking for so they know exactly what to say and it's usually a little bit faster experience and so you know part of the challenge of what they call a conversational assistant whether it be alexa or siri or cortana or any of those is that it's looking for the 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 key words in there the context of it so it's like if you have a dog it's blah 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 chloe blah 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 only thing that the dog hears is its name it doesn't care about everything else right exactly <laughs> so the same That's thing with point. these conversational assistants they're looking for that you know what did you say that would be affirmative or negative in that yes or no. It could be sure, yes, yeah, okay. Those are lots of different ways if you think about it to say yes. How much time uh, does it take to really launch a product like that? I mean, uh, you've been thinking about this for years, but getting to a point where there's that demonstration, you showed me how it works. We tested it here on, on the show. Of course, the video is amazing, and you can get access to that in the show notes, but... How much years? 
It does take years, and it's not necessarily about building the technology, but it's about getting the adoption of the technology because people are afraid of change. And especially if you would ask a leasing agent, hey, we're going to put an automated assistant. You're going to be replaced by this Ace or Alexa. Well, immediately job security and all kinds of things come to mind. It's like um, it's scary. And so it's the early adopters that were the tough ones to find. But now that we have those early adopters, they're our biggest advocates. Because if you take a look at how well she does the number of guest cards and appointments she sets, she's almost as good now as uh, a leasing agent. You know, there's always going to be exceptional leasing agents, but there's a lot of leasing agents that aren't as friendly is cooperative and answers the phone after four rings. Right. So the, you've you've got a great team. You've built some amazing companies in the in multifamily space specifically. And I want to talk a little bit more about those. But let's talk in the now, though. I mean, you're working on this project. You're excited about these things. Tell me about the team that you've got together doing all of these things. You know, the team, obviously, on any company or that you're building is is the critical piece. In other words, whether you're a football team or a software company, you know, you've got to have a, a good quarterback in there, and you've got a lot of, you know, line people that are just doing the blocking and tackling in the sense that um, we don't necessarily have all the answers, and so it becomes a trial and error, and that's also part of, I think, the hesitation for the industry to adopt because – well, they'll let somebody else go do it. But the team part, I think, is really important. Everybody's got to buy into the vision. Mm. In other words, um, if they believe in what you're doing, they're going to be passionate about wanting to figure out how to solve that problem for our industry. And it, it's constantly tweaking and changing. And, you know, we always get good feedback from our customers, but oftentimes that feedback uh isn't necessarily in the best interest of the customer. So we're constantly looking at what does the customer Which customer, want. the resident the, or? The renter. The, okay, right. Yeah. Because the renter at the end of the day, you know, they're the ones that are calling. They're the ones that are looking for information. They don't want to be sold. In other words, yeah, we could put a nice, oh, well, you know, thank you for calling Mueller Manor. We have a sparkling pool in the clubhouse, blah, blah, and hit four. If you want to learn more about our property, hit two. If you want to pay your rent. You know, they're calling for a specific reason. They're trying to get information. And so the more roadblocks that we put up, the more frustrated they're going to get. But if you're looking for information and it's maybe after hours or nobody picked up the phone, you're going to be more patient because you do need to find out, you know, what was that pricing available or what was your bank balance or is that flight on time? Sure. And it's fascinating because, um, and I was talking about this in another show, which is, you know, Brands today, if they can invest the long-term strategy of doing, you know, outreach marketing or if it's uh, brand building, video storytelling about how amazing the experience is going to be, the more work that they do on the front end in that compelling work, the less convincing they're going to need to do when they actually have somebody in front of them, because the investment's there. They already, you know, it's just like when I go into an Apple store. I, I mean, there's not a lot of selling that needs to go on because there's been, you know. They've demonstrated value. They've provided value. And, and uh, of course, they've probably launched a product. And got, or I've seen it. You carry around your iPhone. Whatever work that they do you know, in, in advance before they actually have that interaction with the customer is really where I think brands today are spending the time, those that are converting quickly. But it's when you have that efficient process 
of conversation where it's unintimidated of I'm going to be sold or, you know, um, at least that first interaction. I'm sure that has some impact. So if you think about it, you go into an Apple store, which ones are the Apple employees? (laughs) With the shirts on. Exactly. There's a consistency of the experience no matter which Apple store you go to anywhere in the world. And they're always bright and airy. There's high ceilings. It's uh, mm-hmm. I mean, the layout is the same. And so, why do we think our customers are any different in the apartment industry? So, oftentimes people say, "Well, we'd really like to have a different voice," you know, on the A's. I said, "Really? Aren't you more interested in the experience?" So, do you, if you think about the Apple Store, mm-hmm. you really are going in because you want to go meet that genius. It's going to help you solve your problem. And Apple, you know, has figured out that your time is precious. And so they actually create an app where you can go in and schedule that appointment. So mm. when you show up, there's somebody there for you. And it's usually in that person, that bright colored T-shirt with a little Apple logo. Right. And they're doing all the work for you. Oh, well, I don't want to say all the work, but those are the brands you're talking about. That or if it's Google or Amazon Echo that are getting that consumer adoption for a process like this. And then, again, like any product, it will evolve over time. So, for example, today I just saw that I can order an Uber for my mother-in-law and send it and pay for it so she doesn't have to figure out the technology. Mm. So, again, it took that app and it built additional functionality. So for the future in our app, or I should say our conversational assistant, what you'll see is a way potentially to schedule a maintenance call, maybe pay your rent, uh, any number of things that you would normally do, but it's part of it is going to be driven by you know how quickly the industry is going to push us. Sure. And you have you been driven on efficiency? I mean, is that a theme of I mean creating efficiency inside an organization? I mean, obviously companies that keep more of the revenue they have are, are going to reinvest in their business. I think efficiency or... I just, I'm going to take you back yeah. to rent facts. Oh, boy, you're going way that, back. That was efficiency, yeah. wasn't it, at the time? I mean... At the time, yes. Yeah, rent facts, you know, for the listeners, was something I did back in the mid-90s where you would call 258-RENT, and you would hit one if you wanted Scottsdale, two for Tempe, and then it would prompt you how many bedrooms you want. You would use your keypad. Sort of like the old uh, uh, texting on a, you know, a flip phone. In mm-hmm. other words... Uh, you were able to get the information you were looking for without having to talk to somebody. And you got a, a, a breadth and depth of information. So that was the other thing, too, is that people like choice. For example, I just saw, uh, I think uh, Amazon will send you 15 pieces of clothing. You can send them all back. Mm. And sort of like Tom's shoes in the sense that they'll send you a shoe, you don't like it, they give you the return label, send it back. In other words, they're... They're reducing the barriers, their friction to doing business with a company. And our industry still puts up way too many roadblocks for uh, our, our customer to do business with us. Sure. So let's talk more about you in this aspect of um, the evolution of that rent facts and what it became and some of the things that you were involved with after that. Well, I, I think timing is everything. And... And a little bit of luck goes with that, too. And as you referenced earlier, you know, finding the right people or that team to be able to build out that vision that you might have. So if you take a look at RentFax, RentFax is, well, say, 1995. The idea is that there was a database with all this great information and that the way you would access it was through your phone hitting the keypad, and then it would fax you back the information. Well, that was not a really efficient way to get the information because you had to have a fax machine. It was expensive to find the eyeballs. 
And so I looked at that and said, wait a minute, there's an easier new medium from which we can access information called the internet. Mm. And I remember going to some of the early meetings and I'd have to literally trip people in the hall. It's hallway. not a fad, huh? No, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so well, we're happy with those magazines and the newspaper, those classified ads. And I'd just be pounding my head. It's just like, but this is where the future is. So I think part of my frustration is that I may see where the future is, but I'm dealing with perception of what is reality today. Mm, yeah, that's true. And that evolved into more than, than just RentFacts, right? Internet yep. listing services. So RentFacts morphed because I had the database of all the apartments in Phoenix, Arizona. I said, well, wait a minute. Why don't I do that for the whole country? So the idea is how do I catalog all the apartments in the United States and put them online? And so I've sort of figured out an easy way, in my opinion, easy to catalog all those apartments, put them online, and make them accessible. And in the early days, it was Yahoo was your search engine, so you had to be alphabetical. So it was called All Apartments. Mm. So we put the all in front of apartments to make sure we could get in front of a, a top of the yeah, list. Yeah, it was SEO before SEO. <laughs> exactly. It <laughs> wasn't even invented back then. <laughs> but then, you know, if you take a look at my history of my career, it's like, okay, so we put all the apartments online, great. Now we have to make it transactional. Transactional means how can I actually rent an apartment online? And that was uh, Vaultware, which was actually an outcome of uh, speaking at a um, – uh, ULI conference in Minneapolis. The owner mm. said, well, Mike, why don't you go build it? I'm going, oh, no. It's like, I don't think the industry's ready. Yeah. And, but I got the old, as we say, the band back together again, that team, <laughs> and we went and built uh, a, basically an online reservation system so you would put just a little piece of code on a website that says check availability, and you could go experience the leasing process. I mean, it, you know, that was 15 years ago. I mean, I consider that sort of old school, but yet you'll still go to websites where when you go to check availability, they'll make you fill out a form. It's right. like it's, and that, where does that email go? It goes into that yeah. property email Good address. Luck. And, yeah, it goes yeah. into your inbox, and who knows if you'll ever hear back from anybody. So again, it goes back to the customer experience. Wow, that's great. And so this check availability is now this tap to call in this new world, this new exactly. form, Exactly. Right? Bingo. So when I sold Vaultware five years ago, I carved out the exception. It says, you know what? Give me the opportunity to use the voice interface. So they're a tap to talk, so to speak. And so I said, oh, sure, yeah. If you think you, people are going to rent an apartment by just <laughs> talking on a phone, good luck. And so I said, great. So that's when I went and bought you know, the call source piece. And again, five years ago, Smartphones were just evolving. There wasn't really a lot of apps necessarily. Because if you think about it, the iPhone celebrating its 10th anniversary here mm. this year. So only 10 years. Yeah, I was making a lot of assumptions on where I thought the market was going to go. And, you know, knock on wood so far, uh, the timing has been good. Yeah. And so when you, you mentioned earlier about products evolve over time, I mean, just look at the iPhone. We all, we have some people are romantic about the brand and of Apple and what they've become. I always love to study them from a research standpoint in that it took them 25 years to get to a point where they were in strength. And I know that they were struggling with even going BK bankruptcy at a point in time. And there were some tough decisions that company went through. And now today we're all experiencing uh, this brand because people laid down the foundation. They stayed, stayed committed to the process and they, stepped up in times that were even difficult. Well, if you think about it, the Uber wouldn't exist if the smartphone didn't come out with a GPS built into it. So in other words, it's technology looking for a solution, and Uber capitalized on that. 
Well, that's fascinating. I didn't even think about that. I mean, yeah, just think of all the other innovations that came along. I mean, look at uh, even what you've done in the industry. I mean, everybody that's ever rented an apartment in the last decade, you know, has been influenced by the work that you put into this process. It's pretty inspirational. Now, if I got paid a fee for every time they right. clicked one of those buttons or, you know, made that phone call, right. it'd be a lot more fun. But right. no, it's been a fun journey for me to sort of uh, continue to evolve uh, my thinking and trying to figure out, okay, what's next? Mm, yeah. So tell me about what you look for in a team when you're putting all these pieces together. You know, I think the number one thing is, are they smart? Mm. In other words, you got to have some smarts. Then second, I think you have to be able to have some passion. In other words, uh, you got to believe that you can change the way the industry is going to think about leasing apartments and you want to be a part of that. So, you know, they can send that to their mom and dad or brothers and sisters or friends or post it on social media and say, hey, this is what I helped create. So again, it's, it's, there's a lot of people that are involved in any product or service that make it successful. I just happen to be the guy that, that writes the checks in and sort of creates the, the vision and the landscape for which they can then build those cool things. Sure, sure. In the process when you have this inspiring moment where you're seeing AOL in magazines send online access back in the day and think about, okay, we need to be online, we need to be doing check availability, all of these things. During that period of time where you have the vision, you know this is where things are going, and the time that it takes to be in reality, get the you know the adoption of it, what do you recommend to people that are still struggling with that? You know, my team hasn't committed to it, the, the, the new uh, technology, or my team isn't uh, committed to new ways. How do you muster this, the, the discipline to stay on track, even yeah. though people are not adopting? You know, that's a great question. And, and uh, what I've learned is that uh, a lot of times I'll just hand them the iPhone with the, with the CRM app on it and say, here, you figure out how to use it. And if you get the right audience, which is typically younger, they know exactly what to push and you know, they know what the icons look like. Same thing with the Ace, the automated assistant. Uh, an owner's going to, first reaction is, I don't like those things. I said, oh, you're welcome to your opinion, but tell you what, do you have kids at home? Yeah, Blockbuster Video said that to Netflix, I think. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't go, I don't email for my videos. <laughs> yeah. So I say, give that telephone number to one of your kids. Let them call that number and you ask them what they think that experience was because that's your future renter. And so you have to start, you know, laying the foundation for what that looks like. And then, I mean, it still blows me away today, you know, that if you go to a website, it should say call or text, mm -hmm. but it says call. I mean, right. texting has been around forever. I mean, Patrick, you got kids, we were kind of, you know, talking about it. It's like, I'm, they'll be in the next room and they'll text you what's for dinner. Right. Yeah. It gets it going. You know, it's, that's fascinating. And, um, you know, even the, the brochures that properties have sometimes sparkling pool, you mentioned earlier, luxury, and it's like, it's brochure talk. You have a lot of deep relationships in this business because you've been solving these pain points for these multifamily operators, some of them the largest in the country and even some globally operating. And so with those relationships, how have you been able to, and, and what's inspiring to me is, as you talk is that you're, you're coming to them with sometimes candor, right? That requires them to either make a change in the organization, which is not always easy to do. 
and maybe even write a check to make that expense happen. But you're thinking about their customers. So technically, your customers sometimes are the apartment operators in some cases, but really, you know, like Google, their customer is the searcher, not the person that pays the check, the advertiser. So do you, are you seeing people focusing on like who the real customer is? A real customer is that new renter that's coming into the marketplace. Well, our industry's been spoiled over the last couple of years. If you think about it, occupancy's at some record highs, rents have continued to climb. And so it's like, well, we don't need to worry about, you know, managing the relationship with that customer because they move out, they couldn't get a hold of us, fine. There's three, four more in the wings. We'll just go through the Rolodex, so to speak, and call back that next guy, or, you know, somebody's gonna be willing to pay more than the last person when they move out. So. That's changing, and so it's the it's sort of flipping in the sense that now we do have to be more customer uh, centric or responsive, and so I, I view that as good for our business and bad if you're in the business of owning and managing apartments and you haven't figured out how you're going to manage that relationship with your customer going forward. It's hard to argue with success, and I don't mean to say argue, but when people are um, successful and making. Um, lots of value, creating lots of value. And some of that value is maybe cap rate compression or market conditions. But the reality is when people are romantic about what's already worked, it's difficult to make something new change, right? You're dead on, Patrick. And that's, uh, in other words, uh, you didn't have to be real smart in this marketplace. Literally, it's a dartboard. You know, buying your apartment property the last, you know, five, seven years, you're going to make money. Right, even if you overpaid. Yeah, exactly. Somebody's going to be there to you know buy that uh, asset from you or uh, pay that you know that rent that uh, you never thought was achievable when you performed it you know two years ago. Yeah, that's great. So technology is important, but really the experience that people are having is probably a, more of a driving force for you. But tell me what else you're doing. I know you've been doing some uh, other things with this technology, helping even advance brains and, and the brain research and things like that. Can you talk a little bit about how you've been able to do bigger and better things even beyond the well, multifamily space with this? Yeah, I think uh, there's probably two answers to that question. The first one I'll talk about is, you know, LeaseHawk is basically a communications platform. It's how do you manage the relationship with your customer? And when I say customer, it's a, from a prospect all the way through um, leasing an apartment and becoming a resident, That what I call a, uh, the life cycle or the journey of your customer. And so we've got all this great data that we're collecting. It's sitting in the cloud. It's like, how do you make sense of that? So when you called Ace there, Patrick, when you told me that you were thinking about moving you know, July 15th, and we'll say today's July 1st, I know 15 days from now, you're gonna be looking for an apartment. Either you're gonna rent in my apartment or you're gonna find somebody else. So that would tell me that you know, your propensity to rent is higher. How can I take all of that data that, you know, those millions of minutes that we've been storing for the last five years, put it through some type of machine learning to create an index or a score? So if you take a look at our industry, revenue management has been very popular over the last five, 10 years because that's looking at the supply side. It doesn't really necessarily have a component that looks at the demand side. In other words, how quickly, how motivated are you to move and at what price and at what kind of unit you're looking for? If I could take that information and bundle that up and hand that to you and say, all right, Patrick, here's a lead. They're looking to move in two weeks. They are not afraid of the rent. 
and they want a two-bedroom. Um, what's that worth to you? And if you're an asset manager, think about you know what I call uh, financial vacancy. In other words, you don't want to let that unit sit very long. And so mm-hmm. the faster I can find you a good prospect or a resident, the more valuable that technology is going to be. So uh, long story short, machine learning is really the future. And the machine learning is going to take a look at all that data and make sense out of it. And I, again, uh, we're in the very, very early stages of that. So, um, you know, see, also referred to sort of the AI or artificial intelligence. So those are things that we're exploring right now. And I don't even know where that will lead. But as we get our databases um, more in sync with um, uh, where uh, the machine learning needs it to be, it's going to be easier to put it through a Watson or a, a one of the Amazon, you know, cloud services, and it'll come back and say, oh, yeah, Patrick's should be a 99 on that score. You know, mm. just like we have credit scoring. Sure. Now we're going to have almost like, uh, I don't want to say conversational scoring in the sense that, or communication scoring in the sense that everything that you say and do combine with outside information. So in other words, I may pull up your social profile. I may pull up, pull up a lot of other things that are in the internet that you don't even know exist or i might scan your uh, linkedin profile to sure. find out that you know when your last job you had were nine years so that would tell me you're probably a pretty stable sure. customer but we have no clue where that will go but that's the fun part of trying to figure out the equation yeah, that's great that's great so tell me when you were growing up how did you think about things were you did you have oh, that was easy. Turn on the Jetsons on Saturday Jetson. morning. <laughs> oh, there you go. Okay. <laughs> and I thought, damn, how come he, George can just push that button and food shows up? I mean, that was pretty cool. And then it's yeah. like, all right, I want one of those flip flums that Captain Kirk had to call Enterprise. Or, you know, yeah. so in other words, you know, I think that, um, you know, reality sort of sometimes mirror what the future looks like. So in other words, it's, it is the Jetsons, it's the Star Trek, it's the, you know, lost in space. I mean, it's like, you know, how did that robot in lost in space, you know, have a sense of humor? I mean, that's something that we haven't even thought about that we can teach mm. machines to do. Yeah. How much does mindset play into all of this? I mean, as an operator, even. I mean, you're talking about my mindset? Not, or, no, yeah. like some, yeah, just anybody that's looking to, you know, lead in the future. I mean, this is, the future has arrived, right? Mm-hmm. So, we got to be thinking about things in different ways. Uh, is there a place to sort of go to? I mean, is it TechCrunch? Is it, uh, you know, is it, uh, you know, mentorship, being you know, in I, the communities? I think that what's been fun for me here recently is I've actually gotten out on the road and, and met with the CEOs of companies. And if you're a CEO of a company, you're a pretty bright guy. You didn't get there by accident. And so they're pretty well tuned to what's going on out around them. Now, are they willing to take a risk? Yes and no. In other words, as you pointed out, hey, it's work here in this hot market. We don't really need to do anything like that. And yeah, you're basically potentially an expense, not a revenue driver for us. And so uh, that mindset, really, it goes back to what the CEO envisions for the future of his company. Mm. I mean, I I hesitate to say this because I got myself in trouble 20 years ago and I said, you know, magazines will be a thing of the past but you know there's a very distinct possibility that leasing agents could be a thing of the past in the next five years and you know if i say five years it's probably 10 but right uh as technology gets more robust and machine learning gets 
better at understanding speech and understanding what you're actually looking for, you know, a lot of that can be done, you know, through uh, the internet, through speech or a chat bot or some other type of interface. So uh, if you think about the travel agent, you know, my kids, they don't bank. They don't know what a teller is. In other words, they do everything online. Right. Why would you go in there for the same thing? Take a picture of the check. So I'm, yeah, exactly. I was talking to my, uh, my, one of my daughters and, you know, I said, well, geez, how are you investing in the money that you're making now that you're in the job market? They're not talking to a stockbroker. They're going to these online websites now that, you know, are using uh, some of this, you know, very early stages of AI to figure out, okay, what's your propensity for risk and what's your term of investment and things like that. So, it's all around us. We just have to open our ears and eyes, and we're going to see that, you know, the experience for uh, owning and leasing apartments is going to change. It is, and driving is changing. We're, we're in Scottsdale, Arizona, and, and I don't know if you've been around Old Town, or you can see the, the Google cars and, and the autonomous vehicles, and I think Uber has some stuff in Tempe, and it's, it's pretty exciting to see uh, what's happening there. But it, it does make, I mean, we get used to driving, and we're, we're used to our ways, and can never see ourselves in a vehicle that is unmanned by a person, right? I mean, but you're now seeing these things come to life. I mean, that- so here's a great example. So we think about autonomous driving cars, and when they get to what they call level five, which is literally being able to sum a car on, uh, from your app, what's that mean for the apartment industry? Well, the parking problem goes away. Exactly. (laughs) What are you going to do with all that extra land? So all of a sudden... More units. Either more units. You might put it... If it's on a corner, you might have retail there. So we may be looking at a near-term future here, how we're revaluing assets and those apartment assets. Because if you don't need the parking, that frees up a lot of real estate. What would you do with that real estate? What's that worth? So, I mean, there's all kinds of things that are going to change as a result of autonomous driving cars. But it's not really autonomous driving cars. It's technology that changed the way we think about our car. Your kids will never drive a car if they don't want to. Mm. Or what they'll do, like myself, uh, you know, I used to buy CDs because I wanted that physical asset because mm-hmm. I was afraid the hard drive might crash. Well, now it's like I do Spotify. And Spotify's got... More than you could store. More than I could ever. I can download them. I can play them offline. I pay $9.95. And it's learning what you like, right? Exactly. And so I now I've gotten sort of spoiled. I go to, you know, it goes to my playlist and it says, we think you'll like this playlist. Mike, can I play that? I go, wow, I do. I hit that like button. But the point is, is that for $9.95, you know, I get all the music I want. Texture for magazines. I get all the magazines I want. You know, my kids and probably myself, I'll pay a fee of X dollars to uh, a car company, and the car company will send me uh, a version of Toyota that will meet my needs. And again, if you take a look at the airline industry, if you look at a lot of the private uh, jets, it's the Jetlinks um, or uh, NetJets. Yeah, the shared bottle now. Exactly. So in other words, you don't want to own a jet. Mm-hmm. But it sure is nice to be able to have an app to say, I want to go from you know Phoenix to Salt Lake City, right. and I want to do it on this time. And again, you all do it for the app, and next thing you know, you get an automated quote that comes back. That's exciting. And um, I, wanted, I want to talk to you a little bit more about what you were talking about, meeting with CEOs. You've been to CES. I'm sure you stay in tune to those types of things. Are there any either conversations or experiences that you've had with other software companies outside the industry 
that we can learn from or uh, follow? You know, it's uh, it's funny you mention that because uh, my best ideas don't come from the industry. I call it dog sniffing dogs. Mm. So when I go to these conferences, it's the same people talking about the same ideas that they heard from somebody else with the industry. So what I do is I go to CES, which is Con- Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. Or I go to Dreamforce, which is, you know, uh, in San Francisco for Salesforce to understand what all these other companies are building that, you know, make it easier to manage that relationship with your customer. I'll go to, I mean, I probably go to a half a dozen conferences outside of the apartment industry to learn more about what's going on. But you don't have to do that. There are a lot of great uh, websites or newsletters like, uh, you know, uh, TechCrunch, for example. Sure. Uh, but when you're at, are you experiencing a different approach to how they're delivering for, for businesses? I mean, I notice uh, a, a lot of open services, I mean, different uh, adoptions of technologies for different brands and stuff like that. But is there less of a play against, um, you know, space and territorial or is it more just advanced the business unit? You know, I think it's more advanced the business unit. I mean, but... I'm watching very closely what's going on with Amazon and um, the grocery. Oh, yeah, the Whole Foods. Right. So how is that going to change the shopping experience? And what happened to all those other grocery stocks uh, after that announcement was made? Yeah, we should all be thinking about what, write down the things that frustrate us. I mean, I I can tell you, when I go to a grocery store, which um, it is the most inefficient experience, especially if I'm going to a different one that I'm not frequent, you know, visiting. And stuff is strategically aligned, I'm sure, in certain places, but it's inefficient for me, right? And and I, I guess how do you catalog all that stuff? So, you know, I'm I'm, ass, I'm assuming you know Amazon's going to you know deliver my six pack of beer to my my uh, front door, mm-hmm. and uh, I summon that with uh, with my app. And if I want it cold, it'll come in a little refrigerated uh, carton. Right, we're, and we're not that far off. Right, yeah. I have I don't in Scottsdale. We we within. I can get to anywhere I want to be with the Uber app or even Lyft. And now with um, Uber Eats, um, if I'm up late thinking about writing, doing something, and uh, I want a a certain entree, boom, I can just have it delivered right to the house. It's pretty pretty cool. So that goes back to what we talked about at the beginning of this conversation. You know, any service that's going to be successful has to reduce the friction of doing business. Faster and the easier. The, I've always said the least amount of clicks to get to what you want mm-hmm. um, is going to create a better experience. And so, I mean, I love Southwest Airlines. I mean, it's the easiest but uh, to book a flight and versus some of the other airlines, it's so darn painful. It's like, and if I want to change a flight, it's super simple. So, and Southwest leads with that. What's the price? When am I going? When am I going to get there? And then the experience is amazing when you're on there versus that old model of, Hey, we want to walk them through one, you know, we don't really feel that confident in our product. So we got to talk them, you know, talk it up. So, uh, you know, the other airlines, uh, and I'm not comparing airlines, but, um, it is nice. I mean, because Southwest has a great employee culture and one to rave about, I mean, how they do things and the experience is unique. They're empowered to do different things, uh, individually. So back to timing and I'm going to We'll wrap up here in a little bit, but back to timing, uh, you know, this, even keen in on uh, the recent Amazon purchase of Whole Foods. Home grocery delivery was probably one of the first things that um, I think it was home grocery. I can't remember who it was back when the Internet and you know, Amazon or Google was 
going public and the whole internet boom of the first evolution of the internet space, they did try um, home delivery. And I don't know if people were afraid to put credit cards in online or all those types of things. That technology, the idea was good. The timing was bad. Timing is everything. And so it, sometimes it takes a leader like an Amazon to change the way you think about grocery delivery mm. or just the grocery experience. So, I mean, I, I can hardly wait to see how they're going to change that. So my Amazon shopping list that I talk to Alexa in the kitchen and make sure you get more Coors Light and it knows that it looks in the refrigerator and sees it down to one bottle and it's going to automatically add it to my list and I'll get a little notification, you know, probably, hey, Mike, uh, I see you're in the kitchen, you know, would you like me to order you some more Coors Light? Right. And magically it will appear in my house in a refrigerated, you know, carton or whatever the case may be. So I, I, there, I, I think that's what's fun and, I, uh, and what we don't have enough of in our industry. We don't have enough what I would call big thinkers or the ability to sort of go to these conferences and envision what the future of leasing looks like. We're always looking in the rearview mirror. Mm. And so when you're looking in the rearview mirror, nothing's going to change. Yeah, that's interesting. So I want to play for the investors, asset managers out there. I want to talk to you a little bit. Tell me a little bit in setup of what... Um, Hawkeye is. So Hawkeye is the last piece of the communications platform that I wanted to build out over the last five years. And that's basically a BI tool. And traditionally, and again, I was at a NAA conference last week, the industry's definition of a BI tool is a spreadsheet that mm. they can hit a button and once a week it kicks out this report from their property management system. I'm just scratching my head. It's like, that's not BI. BI is a tool that allows me to easily get to the information that I can make that's actionable. So I can have all kinds of information, but you know, just sort of like you know, the Glengarry Glen Ross, give me the good leads. Mm -hmm. So in other words, <laughs> uh, uh, we were working with a uh, co-star, and you know, we know who's calling, and we know if they're first-time callers, we know if they're repeat callers, we know if they're truly prospects versus non-prospects, because you know, what we do is we pick up the phone and you Say, hey, uh, Google, give me uh, you know Sunset Landing uh, telephone number, and you call it. But that's how we do it. That's just human nature. But the problem is there's a big chunk of those phone calls that are going to the property that aren't truly prospects, but you're paying for those leads right. from those different ad sources. So the BI tool allows you to filter and query and drill down with a visual interface. In other words, you can look at a pie chart, and you can see right there, here's how many leads you're getting. You know, here's how many of your first-time you know, callers. And same thing with Ace. Ace will show you how many appointments she set and how many uh, guest cards she collected or how many you know, questions she answered. So um, you know, do I need to know the details underneath that if I'm a CEO? No. Mm. Just tell me what works and what doesn't, and then I can make a business decision that's actionable with the data that you've put together in an easy-to-understand, usually visual format, that's ideally on a mobile device. Mm, let's have a listen. Data? Sure, you've got a mountain of it. But lots of data is just not the answer. What if you could have the vision of a hawk? Eight times better than a human to laser focus in on the data that affects your leasing success. You need an easy way to cut through the mess so you can view metrics that are most important to you. You need business intelligence designed specifically for the multifamily industry. 
But even BI is not much help if you can't make sense of it. It can be expensive and confusing. The bottom line? You need business intelligence customized to evaluate data that affects your leasing success. That's where we come in. Introducing Hawkeye from LeaseHawk. Hawkeye helps property management companies easily audit their marketing effectiveness and leasing agent performance to maximize lease conversion. Built on the same platform used by companies like NASA, eBay, Motorola, and NASDAQ, Hawkeye changes the way you visualize data. Now you can make data-driven decisions quickly that impact your leasing success. See instantly how effective each advertising source is so you can evaluate your ad spend. Instantly analyze leasing agent performance to identify top performers combined with trending to gain insight into areas that need improvement. All this from a single meaningful dashboard. Hawkeye saves time, resources, and money so you can finally focus your attention in the right places. Want the Hawkeye vision? Check out Hawkeye today, simplifying complex data to easily make data-driven decisions. That's great. That is amazing. I, I, I want to come back to a final thought here, Mike. And we really appreciate you coming in because we know how busy you are and the types of projects you're working on. And I know that your time is valuable and we, we our listeners, I know, are going to appreciate uh, you sharing the time with us today. Um, so tell me, how do you foster innovation in the apartment industry? Well, I, I think that um, the apartment industry is ripe for innovation. If you take a look at all the private equity groups out there and some of the valuations that be paid for these companies, um, there's a lot of, uh, of consolidation going on right now. And that's actually bad for our industry in the sense that it sort of... Uh, prohibits an entrepreneur from wanting to take some risk. And so um, the good side is that there's big valuations, so that looks like it'd be fun if I can create a company that I'd get a nice payday. But for the industry, it's bad because without innovation, there's not going to be new products, there's not going to be new services, not new ways of thinking about it. And I think uh, the single biggest challenge we have as an industry, and this is one that you know I'm going to hit home hard, is that we have created a walled garden. When I say a walled garden, the data that an entrepreneur needs to create a new service is behind the property management system walls, and it's very difficult to get to, and it's expensive. And so mm -hmm. once the owners figure out that innovation is being stifled because of the consolidation going on and these walled gardens of data behind these mm -hmm. property management systems, so, if, for example, if I could get access easily and cheaply, then I could build all kinds of new products and services. Think about Salesforce. Salesforce is a great example. You know, Mark Benioff said, you know what, I'm going to build a platform of which I'm going to make it open. And you guys figure out all the kind of cool new companies. And so if you go to Dreamforce, there is literally acres and acres of companies that have built companies around Salesforce's platform. Same thing with Microsoft. Microsoft right. was successful. Oh, Facebook too. I mean, yeah. In other words, uh, uh, Microsoft built the operating system of which now there's all kinds of things. Same thing with Apple. How many apps are there out there now? Mm -hmm. They built the platform. Right. They figured out a rev share, and they figured out a marketplace. And so, the day that our industry figures out, or the company, whether it's um, 
you know, Yardi, RealPage, MRI, Entrada, mm-hmm. the day they open up, they're pl- truly open up their platform and break down those barriers and create a marketplace for entrepreneurs to build services without feeling like they have to compete with them. And that'll foster innovation. And, you know, if you're good, they'll probably buy you. <laughs> right. And, but if, if, if you're not, it, it challenges the next entrepreneur to figure out how to tweak it and make it better. So uh, it does create value. All right. So just following up on your comment on the autonomous vehicles, and if we don't need all these carports and spaces. What, what did we do with the real estate? Uh, great question, because we haven't even thought about what that looks like. And so if cars truly going to be autonomous and we're going to summon them from an app or our groceries from an app, all of a sudden that real estate, it becomes very valuable. It'll become literally car hotels. Mm. And so oh. you'll go to the Mercedes dealership that is selling subscriptions to their autonomous driving car and say, tell you what, I, we, I will sell you a garage at my property to be able to use and park your car that maybe is an electric car that has a 220 voltage in there and you're going to pay me X dollars per month to park your car because it needs to be parked someplace at night. And so all of a sudden an owner could potentially have recurring revenue. Wow. And it could potentially, it may be an app that the owner sells. And so you go to Mercedes, you go to Toyota, you go to that, you know, all these different cars because you're going to, when you go in the future, you're going to buy, like you do today, a brand or a size. You might have 20 different or 40 different cars parked in, in your, what do you call it, your garage or car ports literally a port where it would charge overnight and there may be you know a guy that cleans those cars uh, or maybe it's an automated uh uh, uh what do you call it a uh, car wash right on the property mm-hmm. so it goes at the end of the night the car goes to the car wash docks in the carport on your property next morning it's time to go to work you get to your app you summon it oh and by the way you know, 30% of whatever that cost to go to work is going to go to the apartment owner now. So not only to get recurring income from, you know, the car port or car park port, whatever you want to call sure. it. We figured out a name patch. We should trademark mark that. <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, same thing could go for, uh, uh, you know, the lockers. You know, right now, you know, everybody's buying things from Amazon and their or UPS, whatever the case may be, and there's no place to put it. Well, I just saw now they're creating refrigerated lockers. Now mm. imagine those carports turning into places. You ordered your groceries from you know Whole Foods and Amazon, and you come to your apartment property, and next thing you know, you go to uh, uh, one of those storage lockers, and you pull out tonight's dinner. Right. And just tonight's. You don't need to buy groceries for no. the week that's going to spoil, no. but just yeah. tonight's. Yeah, just tonight's because it's on demand. Everything will be on demand. Wow. Again, going back to reducing the friction. So, you know, that's the fun part is envisioning what does apartment leasing look like in the future. Mm, that's fascinating. I I think the, you know, this residual model, um, buying what you use. I mean, think about your car and how off, I mean, I like to drive. I mean, I enjoy it. And sometimes I'll go out and explore and do some, create some experiences. But I also think about, how often that car is sitting and the sort of I don't, the waste of it, you know? So as an apartment owner, I mean, they're doing, some owners have even 
uh, had extra garage spaces. They would uh, lease them to offsite, uh, you know, individuals because they want to pick up extra income. That's interesting. I think that's not that far away, right? I mean, if you have these vehicles that are um, you know in place, they could rent a car carport or a parking spot or an extra next piece of real estate. Well, Elon Musk has said he'll buy every electric car. I should say uh, not Elon Musk, but the guys from Uber said they would buy every car that Elon Musk can produce that's autonomous driving Mm. with the sense that it's electric, so there's less maintenance. And again, you don't need to go to a gas station at the apartment property. Got electricity there. So literally that car will back itself into that carport or garage and charge itself overnight. And so... Now there's no lag. So if I'm an apartment resident, having that amenity, in other words, somebody will brand, you know, a carport, you know, that'll have, you know, 40 different cars of different makes and models. You go to your app and you'll summon, you know, oh, geez, I'm going camping this weekend. I need a, you know, a four-wheel drive. And the next thing you know, you know, you go to your storage locker where all your food has been ordered for the weekend, your s'mores, your burgers, et cetera. Load that into your uh, uh, SUV for the weekend, and you're off. And you come back, unload everything. The car goes and washes itself and backs itself into the the carport. So tomorrow morning, that somebody says, "Geez, I'm a, I need to haul some stuff from Home Depot to improve my apartment, or whatever the case may be." So again, those are things that we can't even begin to envision because until we get autonomous driving cars. What does that look like? Right. And those other brands are helping us sort of understand the, the future. Um, I'd love to spend some time with some of your customers. I know we talked a little bit about in, including them in the show and the program. That would be that would be fun to talk about what shift they made in order to make that investment and not necessarily investment, but, you know, that that um, that process for them. You know, it's also a trust factor, too. You know, say a trust factor. In other words, if because I've been doing this so long, I have a track record and there's a certain amount of trust. And I saw an article here recently. It's like, uh, you know, the Steve or, um, uh, Bezos, you know, from Amazon. In other words, we just assume that everything he does or touches is going to turn golden. And so far the guy's got a pretty darn good track record, but that goes a long ways to buying an Alexa, you know, or the echo for your home. In other words, yeah, I've got one. And I'm every day I'm learning that can do something new and different. So in other words, there's a certain amount of trust that you have to believe in a company that's going to get you to where you want to go, that you share mutual goals. And that mutual goal in the apartment industry would be reducing the friction of doing business with your customer. That's great. And those of you that are listening, if you're an entrepreneur or you're just aspiring to be one someday, or perhaps you're in the industry. I mean, a lot of the innovation that's come through this industry, both in new products and services, some people have worked in the industry first, came up with some pain points. My brother actually is one of them. I mean, he's solving for security and some other things uh, that he's doing. And so keep an open mind. You on this show uh, are listening to Mike Mueller. He's one of the most influential innovators, I believe, in our industry. He's done some things through many different transformations this industry's gone through, and both from a technology and a people standpoint, he's someone to, to really understand and follow. So those of you that want to learn more, obviously come to the show notes. We have all the information on how you can reach out and get in touch with Elise Hawk. Mike, thank you for coming in and spending sure. time with us. Absolutely, Patrick. Enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. If you get a few moments, please subscribe, rate, and review this show on iTunes or on your own favorite platform. 
This helps others discover our program, and it tells us that we are doing a good job. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the Multifamily Leadership Podcast. For show notes and other resources, visit multifamilyleadership.com.